Mastering the Storm is the Here's the Storm podcast on the Anchor.fm platform. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to Mastering the Storm, a Heroes of the Storm podcast. I'm one of your hosts, LDAP. And joined by Wenzeltron as always. Sup, everybody? It's another week, another hero. And sadly, Janely Arc is not in the game yet, but it's coming soon. Yes. Janely <laughs> Arc will be next week, I believe. Is it next week? Okay, cool. I had a thought. I had a feeling, but I wasn't sure. I'm really excited. Yeah for that one it should be next week if not yeah i think it's supposed to be next week if not it's supposed to be the week the week after thanksgiving so cool it's one of the two plus i mean like we'll get the bar of soap mount and everything yeah and then was <laughs> it the uh, the announcer um oh uh cloaking right cloaking yeah cloaking will be in there i'm definitely gonna i'm saving up uh gems or yeah. whatever i saw i'm sure it's gonna be 2500 there's like a there's like a announcer thing i saw it on it was on the ptr i believe and it was one of the, i want to say it was one of the poor players but i'm not sure maybe streamer but he's like if you blow up a hero and he goes, well, that player didn't read the patch notes, <laughs> <laughs> which I find hilarious because <laughs> a lot of people don't read the patch notes and heroes. It's true. I mean, like, yeah, it's 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 interesting because some people are really casual with the game, which mm-hmm. it's a casual MOBA. But sometimes it's frustrating because you're like, what changed, especially on Reddit when you get people like, yeah. hey, th- is matchmaking different this week? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> or, or my favorite is like, wait, Toronto's good now? Like yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, she was changed months ago. <laughs> Another, another favorite one is uh, I've been gone for six months. Has anything changed? <laughs> no. I'm just going to say no. <laughs> You've been gone too long. Uninstall and come back later. <laughs> you know, I've been gone for the game for two years now and I've done my placements. And why am I, you know, I was a master level player. Why am I now silver five? <laughs> <laughs> dead game. <laughs> She's like, no wonder this game is dead. So, yeah. Oh, so. man. All right. But, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we figure, well, today's a late week, but we still got a docket of stuff to talk about this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a shortage. I just think it's a shortage on the actual release front. Yeah. You know, because it was a lighter week post BlizzCon because BlizzCon is like the mega week of all the things. Yes. Recapping all the esports because now esports is in hiatus and I guess roster apocalypse is in full effect. Or yeah, that starts today. It started yesterday. And was it I yesterday? Think it goes, okay. Yeah. I haven't followed so got, any of it yet. Yeah, it's probably, you know, it's interesting. I don't think it's going to be as juicy this time, you know, but this is the time when teams can release players and um, players can then begin the process of, you know, trying to find new teams. Yeah. Um, so, but it doesn't seem like it's, so the term roster apocalypse, and I think we've, we've had this conversation We've definitely before. had this. <laughs> But just, you know, because, you know, we love to be complete, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, three or four years ago, before the before HTC, right, they did have this kind of organized stuff, right? And yes. what happened was after, like, the uh, the major tournaments, the teams would just blow up. So they called them roster apocalypses, yeah. you know? But then Blizzard stepped in and said, let's bring some stability to this, bring some organization. I mean, it was really crazy, too, like... Yeah. Some teams just completely imploded after the end of the season. Like, yeah, exactly. That's why I think that's why it has the, the moniker behind right. it. Right, even mid-season and North America was was notorious for this mm-hmm. because teams would just implode. You know, because you know they're looking for sponsorships. I mean, it it is a commitment to play here as the storm. And there gets the black blood level. between heroes and all that kind of deal. Right. Or not heroes, people. Yeah, so Blizzard definitely put in a lot of resources to kind of stabilize you know the the league you know per se right 
but it's still run like a soccer league, you know, where they're club teams, player owned, you know, and, and teams can be sponsored. And HTC and Blizzard wants the teams to be sponsored. Mm-hmm. But there's always that kind of that tension of trying to get a sponsor. And, and because there's relegation in this league, um, some people feel that relegation is not sponsor friendly because no, no one wants to be sponsoring. I mean, your, I mean team. if you think about it, right, like yeah. just from a like a risk reward, like ROI kind of thing for yeah. the, the, the sponsee, yeah. like those guys, they're going to be like, OK, what if we decide to double down on this team and they suck? Right. And they don't mm-hmm. and they become crucible. Right. And they don't win. That's a huge like commitment and money and effort and all all the branding dollars that go into all of that stuff to to maybe have it get flushed down the toilet. But let's say the game's about quality. Right. Mm-hmm. And one of the things about these relegation, the one the ask, the one positive thing about relegation is that everyone should be committed to playing the entire season, even yes. if you're. You know, the idea is that your team survival is always at peril if you perform bad. Yes. Like in you know football, when a team starts performing bad, they sell off all the players and they and they they go try to get the, mm-hmm. the draft picks, right? Yes. But in but in relegation teams, you know the lead, you know the teams themselves try to stay competitive and not go into the the, the crucibles, you know per se. Yeah. Um, it also gives an opportunity for newer teams to enter who might you know, want to, you know, that, that have new blood. Right. So there's a really positive aspect to this relegation as well. I know like when you read Trent Esports, he's always talking about, uh, you know, the business of, of sports and you and I have talked about that. Um, but it's not a huge industry. It's an industry. Don't get me wrong, but you know, financially, you know, there, it's not the most lucrative investment you can make yes. in a sports team. <laughs> you can definitely do well, but it's a passion. It's a passion investment in, in Heroes of the Storm, you know. And, you know, it's great because I think we've seen some high-quality teams enter through relegation. You know, obviously yeah. Heroes Hearth. Come on. Heroes I think Heroes Hearth shows a lot about yeah. what, it can, uh, what it means to make your own esports company, right? Yes, Exactly. And that's what I like about Heroes. That's you know I like that Heroes is the third banana, you know, out of all the MOBAs, because for you know, I, I mean, it's a small community, smaller community. Um, I don't seem to have a problem with matchmaking. I do feel bad for regions that are smaller that have issues yeah, with matchmaking. Yeah, the, the other regions, like the minor regions, yeah. definitely have an issue. So, hell, Japan doesn't even have a localized client. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I keep seeing that pop up, especially around BlizzCon every year, and, and I, I really think that's kind of unfortunate, you yeah. know, because like. Is it really hard to translate stuff into Japanese? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just think it's, it's, it might just be an, a market issue. Like, yeah, how much effort it takes to, to for them to translate everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Software dollars, basically. <laughs> so back to back, back off the tangent. Back to the whole roster apocalypse. There was a time when Heroes of the Storm professional esports was very unstable. Oh yeah. I mean, there was a few times where I felt like it didn't even go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then Blizzard stepped in put a lot of money into it, actually started playing, paying the players salaries, you know, not a major salary, but you know, it's don't they make like 50,000? No, no, no. No. Players make 20,000, $10,000 per, per season. Okay. For every season. And that's for those phase one, phase two. Yeah. Per month. Right. And then the teams themselves get some kind of stipend. And I think then of course you get your, you know, I'm assuming um, the, the sponsor, like the, the orgs themselves give them a salary too. Right. 
Well, the the Warriors are owned by the players, you know, unless they they get a sponsor, and then the sponsor. Yeah, that's what I meant. The sponsor. Buy, yeah, yeah, and then what? they get the bits from the Twitch. Oh you know, yeah. Twitch, you know, and then if they win tournaments, they get the tournament money. You know, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, I really don't know but, how making money works in esports. Right. Yet. <laughs> Streaming, right, and the tips and the bits mm-hmm. and the, you know, dude, that's really how the the players themselves should be making money is yeah. trying, uh, you know, trying to influence. You know, people playing the game. Yeah. You know, See, I here, the, the the one thing I would say about that is it's a weird it's a weird thing, right? So it's kind of like saying people who are in prof- professional sports should become coaches. Not everyone who's a professional athlete one has the drive to be a coach or teach mm-hmm. other people, or has the the tool set to be able to articulate how to teach other people to be better at the game or whatever right. realm they're wa- wa- working in. So it's kind of a. a a double-edged sword in a way, right? Where True. And you might, one of the funny things I would say is that now, you know, like professional athletes before, like, you know, they would just focus on the game, yeah. their position. But now, you know, the esports athletes, they're focusing on that plus also being a personality, having yeah. this kind of, so it's another dimension to develop. Yeah. Some do it better than others, of course. Right. And, um, but, you know, hey, you know, I'd love to see more guides. You know, I think to one of the, the challenge we have with here, you know, HTC is that people want to keep things kind of private and <laughs> internal, right? They don't want to. Yeah, you know, I think the- they don't want to share too many industry secret kind of things, right? They don't want to share drafts. They don't want to share builds or not really right. builds per se, but like the the nitty gritty, right? Because the more they yeah, say, exactly. the more the their competitors know how that person thinks and plays that hero, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was like Kevlar guess when he wasn't a coach, he was he would analyze everyone's drafts and, you know, what's what synergies are there. And he'd be really open about it. Then he became the Gale Force. He sports right. coach. He was still was doing it and he was still giving his insights. But there was he was holding things back. Right. Now he's back you know, not to being a coach. He's still trying to figure out his identity. But what got him there was probably the fact he developed that kind of like, let me explain this to you. I mean, you. it's kind of like what Kella does, right? Yeah, same with Kyle, yeah, but he does it a different way where he does a lot of community coaching stuff. So he's never yeah. talking about the pro scene as much. Right. He'll still like say, but he, mm-hmm. he, he's coaching people and break, like leveling up other people's play that are in casual ranks, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. I think that's a fine way of doing it in its own way. I wish they would just kind of like do a esports show where they would just kind of break down the, the, the this week's meta. Now, yeah, you know, Kyle Ferguson does it on the uh into the nexus he tied yeah. it, he and critical kitten sometimes will do his seven days after a patch or something oh i think it's worth mentioning too this is yeah. kind of a tangent but the solid jake's pro am tournament oh yeah yeah i totally forgot i just remembered it randomly because you were talking about like other things yeah. that are more like kind of blending the blurring the lines between pro and amateur yeah yeah you know no yeah, specific yeah, but it, it, yeah, hopefully Dung Train will get involved because I think that was a pretty cool. I I, I always pulled the trigger and support and supported. That was Bloodlust, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love Bloodlust. I actually have one of their shirts. From yeah, I was Bloodlust gonna I was gonna two. buy one, but I I, believe, and I don't know. Oh, no, I have the poster from Bloodlust too. Yeah, I don't know what stopped me from doing it, but um, I I know I was about to pull the trigger and I didn't for some reason to get mm-hmm. like a shirt or something. Maybe because yeah. it was like, so what it was is one of those things where you kept pledging to get more. I think. And I think I I didn't understand it or something. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it was kind of like yeah. a like a standard fundraiser, but for the tournament. Yeah, it was like, it was like a PBS fundraiser. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It, it was a little weird, but yeah. I mean, I just wanted up buying the shirt and just you know, 
Yeah, and it was just, and it was professional players. I mean, it was definitely you know. I mean, it was a really, really cool good. tournament, and then they did like some fun rounds with like super speed, if yeah, I remember yeah, correctly, yeah. Uh, and in quick match or uh, the the try mode, <laughs> yeah. or not try mode in the custom game mode. And then what is it? The podcasters also do something um, like around the holidays, I think, or or, no, or maybe it was the oh, that would be so what? cool if we could get all the podcast the podcasting they, well, groups they do. and do a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they do a charitable thing, and then what they do is they do custom maps and they do these weird things in the custom maps to make like you know stuff weirder. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Like, so. Yeah, maybe we can reach out when they're doing that, you know, and see if we can fit in. It'd be, it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> hey, guys. We're definitely the 6.5 out of 10 uh, podcast group. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're the guys in the corner like, these guys are all really good at what they do. And we're over here talking about the same things every day. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Waving in the corner behind the wall. Like, can we become at the big table now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you're talking about like your views last week or your listens and you had over 500. I think yes, when I looked at ours, we're, we're at, around. We're almost at 600 now. <laughs> yeah, we were almost, I think we, we've hit almost 400. So, yeah. Making moves. Making moves. So that was pretty cool. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> you're, like, I, you're like, I guess we do have plays. <laughs> yeah, I hope yeah. so. I hope people, you know, like people, you know, sometimes they just put us on the background and listen to us for three hours. <laughs> hey, I do that on a daily basis with podcasts. So I totally get it. <laughs> if I can listen to someone else talk about, you know, chocolate body, which is like bodybuilders who get fake tans. Yeah. I, I listened to that on Joe Rogan podcast the other day, and I don't know why I listened to it, but I was laughing all the way through. So <laughs> hopefully we can keep we keep everything like kind of on a on a linear basis so people can follow. Yeah. Uh, instead of tangenting like that. <laughs> um, as well, a side note, I don't know. Do we think we're going to be able to do a podcast next week? Because next Wednesday is the day before Thanksgiving. I am going out to dinner with my wife and some friends. Um, I'm yeah. not sure what time I'm going to be back. I'll find I'll find out more details. And yeah, because you know. technically, because my mom works retail, so she's mm -hmm. going to be working Black Friday, you know, overnightish, mm -hmm. or Black Thursday, whatever. Like if she works Thursday, so I have to. So we're going to have actual Thanksgiving on Wednesday for us. Okay. So, I mean, we can do it a day early, day late, yeah. weekend. It doesn't matter. I might be do done with school early on what on Tuesday, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll play it by ear. But either way, we don't we don't have to set Wednesdays in stone. <laughs> right. Well, we record on Wednesdays, but the distributes on Saturdays or Sundays. Yeah, no, it, it just yeah. depends on when we get around to doing it. Right. <laughs> We're a well, well-oiled machine. <laughs> well, that's why you love us. Our high production values. <laughs> Absolutely. I think they love us for our personalities. That's right. If, well, if I had a camera, I'd be blinking bashfully into the, into the camera right now. <laughs> oh. All right, should we just actually start what we had to get over with? Like, not get over with, but go through today? Yeah, I think you wanted to pay homage to someone. Yes, special. so uh, earlier this week on, I believe, was that, yeah, that was Tuesday. Or no, Monday. Monday, uh, Stanley has passed away, the creator of Marvel Comics, as many of us know, because it's now become a mainstream deal. And I think it's worth mentioning just something about him because, you know, a lot of the stuff we all deal with today is stories, right? And I think mm -hmm. Blizzard is very similar to, to Marvel in some ways with the characters they create and the stories that are developed from those characters. But 
once they create those characters, those characters take on a life of their own by all the people that interact with those characters in their games, in the books, and the just like how people view them and what they, you know, what they mean to them, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Heroes is a really good example of kind of like characters becoming bigger than what they were because mm-hmm. they the dev team itself adds all these heroes from all the other universes and they get to have this crazy playground and... You know, they have to be true to the character's roots, but also they take their own Heroes of the Storm spin on them. And I think this week really says that, like, brings that whole, like, thing full circle where Heroes of the Storm was, you know, as you said before, is the love letter to Blizzard, um, you know, properties. And now Heroes of the Storm gets to stand, you know, shoulder to shoulder with all of them, with Orphea's release and all the comic books. They've been crafting this overarching narrative in the game. (laughs) I think some people on Reddit would prefer if Stanley actually wrote the uh, the Heroes <laughs> of the Storm. You might be right. Narrative. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like Stanley and like the characters he's created hold a special place for me. I mean, Spider-Man sure. in particular, because um, ever since I was like old enough to like even remember, like I don't even remember, but my parents told me that I like Spider-Man at like the age of five. I was watching like mm-hmm. an animated com- com- uh, animated cartoon. It's a really little kid, and for some reason that stuck with me all the way until now, and it's like tattooed on my body now. The quote, with great power comes great responsibility, and mm-hmm. so I, I just really wanted to say something about like the, you know, the, the things we create outlive us all, you know, and they can resonate with us, and we can be cynical about what, <laughs> you know, quality or whatever and that stuff, but if you believe in what you believe in, and it's going to resonate with somebody eventually, so yeah. I just, and then, I don't know. Yeah. And the thing about comic books is like they, they had ages, right? You know, mm-hmm. the golden age and such. Right. And I, you know, when I was reading comic books, um, you know, I read them as a kid. But when I became kind of more aware of comic books was during the age when uh, things were a little bit they, they were a bit more darker, like Marvel went more dark yeah. than than DC. And I kind of, you know, it's kind of like it was like the, was that like I don't the know 80s. If you, yeah, the eighties, right? It yeah, so the secret right. war, the secret wars. Okay, yeah, the first version of the secret wars. Okay, yeah, yeah. spawn. You know, the those types. Spawn you know, those was for t- sure dark. <laughs> yeah, so you know they went more in that darker, more edgier, yeah. emo kind of route, and you know, but they still stuck to their guns. You know, to their 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 Spider Mans and their X Men and Wolverine. And yeah, the, the whole entire genre, and so. You know, I definitely identified and connected with a lot of the, you know, I didn't read a lot of comics. I, I can't say, you know, I would say I was more of a casual fan, you know, right. but not like, I mean, I liked, you know, I was looking forward to the X-Men movies and, you know, that kind of stuff. But I wasn't like, I don't have X-Men number one. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I, I would care like the anthologies, you know, when they put all the comics. Yeah, like where they make book. the big books out of them and you get to read yeah. them all from end to end, basically. Right. Yeah. And my friends, my friends were really into that, though. I had a lot of friends that were into that, and they would influence my reading. Like, uh, out of the DC universe, Sandman, you know, was also okay. someone. Else. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think that the great thing about Stanley is he always seemed to be well adjusted. You know, not like yeah. You know, not, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, I mean, but on the surface, you know, what I can tell, he just seemed like he was a rather approachable person. Yeah. And humble, you know, in some in some senses, you know, and I knew that like he was larger than life, but also quite grounded at the same time. 
Yeah, and like when you make the cameos like in Mallrats or you know, <laughs> you know or in every single just, one of his movies, you know, in every single one of his movies, yeah, you know, he just had that kind of like. I belong here. You know, he was, yeah. he, he has like, you, you're looking for that. He's so. just, he, he's like created his own legend, so to speak in some yeah. ways. <laughs> and hopefully his, you know, his legacy, you know, continues on and inspires others. He, he, I'm sure his, I know he had some problems financially because of people, managers and stuff. Right. But hopefully yeah. the, the, the legacy and the, and the trust will, you know, be able to, you know, further and the, the good thing about when people pass away that you know are very influential they usually leave some type of uh endowment right you know to right uh, help right. others you know uh become you know bef- yeah become i could imagine know. there being a, like a stan lee fund of something eventually. sure <laughs> yeah and you know hopefully that inspires others you know to create you know yeah. and, i mean i think it yeah. i think it already has i mean if you think like yeah. if you just look at it i, I mean comic books in general like the broad swath of them the DC Comics started in the 20s. Marvel mm-hmm. started in around the 50s and 60s. I think Spider-Man was 1967. Mm-hmm. And that's a long time for these heroes. You know, it's a lot of people liken it to American mythology, right? Right. And exactly. So, yeah. And, and it's true. It really is true. And it's in regardless of what, you know, to Stanley started it. But the, the mantle's already been passed to many, many, many people. To, yes. to to update these characters and but they're still held true you know you see them you know who they are right they they hold that same genetic makeup so to speak of what their essence are right mm-hmm. and and i think that really says a lot to what the ideas he he was right like trying to get across when he first created these things and i and i think just from a creator standpoint too for him to be able to write them you know and draw them and create them make them real in that sense but then for them to go, you know, global and on the big screen and all that kind of stuff and have it affect the mainstream culture is a mm-hmm. whole nother thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't, like, regardless of whether or not you enjoy comic books or superheroes or whatever, like, it, it, I just think it's so cool to, like, think about that, right? Because it's like, he was a guy, you know, that a lot of people have been looking into his life again, right? And figuring out, like, who was Stanley, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Like what was his life and how did he start Marvel? And he when he when he like has this quote where he's like, "Man, all my friends around me were trying to be like bankers or you know important people in the world." And he's like, "All I really want to do is write comic books." And he was like, he realized that writing stories and entertaining people is just as important as any of those other you know prestigious yeah. jobs because I think it's important and I think that's where Blizzard comes into this too, right? Because like. Yeah. The heroes themselves, you know, like, well, how did we all get in these games, right? We love Blizzard for what they are, right? Like, you love right. Thrall or you love Arthas or Diablo. Like, you, you have one hero that gravitates to you, right? And then there's even right. new ones, right, that I get to learn about from heroes alone, like Blaze. Like, I would never thought Blaze was cool because I didn't play StarCraft. But, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just kind of like you create your own story with these characters then because you get to play them. Yeah, and I do like the fact, like you said, like it's a Blaze, like unknown, you know, hero unit. He's not even real, heroes. right? He's just a unit from. Yeah, well, it's a hero unit in yeah uh, here's in um, Starcraft, but you know the they make they give it a personality. Yeah, and exactly. Same with or- Orphea, you know, it's like they created this backstory, and yeah, maybe it's not all linear. You know, that's the thing. Like the most criticism you read on Reddit right now is that, well, I can't follow it. It seems convoluted. But sometimes things are symbolism. Sometimes yeah. they're just introducing ideas. And yes, it 
it, it's disturbing and disjointing, but maybe that's the I mean, you know, so that you remember it. That's you like know? saying go read the first Spider-Man comics and expect them to be, you know, up to narrative par today, right? <laughs> but more importantly, maybe like I said, they're just introducing some ideas or some yeah. glimpses, and then you know the because it really it's still a comic book, right? It only has like eighteen or twenty pages right. with panels to kind of convey a you know a narrative. Yeah. So and it's going to use a lot of symbolism, you yes. know, or you know, and and so you have to kind of look at not just look at the words that are written, but look at the picture and what how is it's conveyed. Like what yeah. is the emotion? What are the the motion? Like emotion and motion of it, right? Like yeah. I think um, from a comic book standpoint, because I read so many, and mm-hmm. um, what I can say is is it's partly that Blizzard is not a comic company, right? And it's kind of a big leap for for the dev team of Heroes of Storm to even consider using comic books as a medium for them to experiment with, right? For a storytelling arc. Um, Because they could easily have made, like, some sort of cinematic, right? That would encapsulate it. Because that's what they do, right? (laughs) They could have probably even done it in-game because they could have made it, you know, some sort of cool little custom map type thing and, you know, animated it that way. But regardless, this is always a playground for them. And... I think for them to be able to show it as a comic book is it shows that they're not they're not limiting themselves. Right. They're looking to push mm-hmm. boundaries in whatever way they see fit. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's important. And I think for some people, the if you don't read comic books and sure, maybe it is harder to follow or whatever. I didn't really think that. But then again, see, I, I have a lot of comic book experience. So for me, it's like using my imagination or visualizing things in between is not too hard. Um, what? Well, the thing about comics is, do you know that every month there was a new edition, right? Yes. And there was uh, the story. It was, you know, it was it was um, character driven drama. Narrative would carry over each week, and it was like the idea was to lead you into the pre- the next thing, right? Well, and here's the storm in Blizzard Entertainment, World of Warcraft. They are very disjointed when they're telling their stories, right? Mm-hmm. And th- and sometimes that's jarring to people, like to go from Legion. Yeah, World of Warcraft to, is pretty hard to follow, in my opinion. Right. Well, to go from Legion to Battle for Azeroth, right. there's a bunch of steps that, you know, sometimes don't get fully translated, you know, and then it comes out in different media and stuff. And there's problems of continuity and, you know, you get, you know what I'm talking about. And mm-hmm. the issue is, is that Blizzard's trying to, you know, make these emotional narratives. And so when they do their CGI stuff, it's amazing. Right. right. And even some of the stuff they do with the in-game assets is also really good to be starcraft when they you know the the thing i love about the starcraft stuff and even maybe the diablo stuff is that there is a narrative there yes. you know and it's complete you know it's it's like it'll you know your missions the things the outcomes that are in the missions and stuff all affect the narrative to some degree and i think that's that's where they do really well at yeah unfortunately with wow it's a little bit too disjointed for me um and I don't and like the scope the, is no, narrow for the player, right? Like the player can go through the entire, like play the game for months and really never right. see any of that content, right? That narrative exactly. driven stuff. Unless yeah. you're forcing and doing it. Or you can outgear it and, and it doesn't mean anything. And then the yeah. other thing they've done in play content when trying to engage people, but it just feels like a job after a while. Yes. Like, I mean, at Legion, I, 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 li- I liked it up till like, you know, week four. And I was like, all right, I'm done with this gating of content. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, if you just wait two months or three months and come back, you can do it all in like a couple of days, you know, <laughs> so it's like, or if not, you know, so and get the entire story. So, yeah, they don't really do a great job there. Now, maybe in 
you know, like if they if they had the resources and they really wanted to do it, they can do something similar in Hots, and maybe they will. You know, yeah. maybe they'll continue. You know, it sounds like they want to take a break from it though, because I think that you know the amount of negative feedback they get might be weighing on them. But I think they should double down because really, the whole Heroes of the Storm mythos um, was established when they built the game. You know, the battlegrounds that they put I mean, in was yeah, all yeah. The, the, the made the what was it probably the four first maps were all their own well, maps <laughs> all, all the original maps were their maps they didn't then they introduced the diablo maps yeah. the, uh, the overwatch maps and then now they're introduced and the starcraft maps it was diablo starcraft overwatch and now they're completing the you know the bookend and putting in the uh the uh the the world of warcraft ones and i think there's a speculation that there's another wow map coming this year <laughs> for 2019 okay i was gonna say this year well, there's only a few months well, left <laughs> Well, come on, man. So it's like, you know, uh, what's it? Uh, Warcraft Reforged. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to have an event. They, they, they got to they got to squeeze it in there, you know, squeak it by. Well, yeah. So but anyway, but back to the thing. Yeah. You know, I think Blizzard's trying. But there, you know, you got to remember Blizzard is about as old as Marvel was when it comes to their narratives. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so and, you know, but. I, you know, and when they lost Chris Metzen recently, so, you know, from, you know, just retiring and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to do it in WoW a little bit more. The problem with WoW is you have no, you're basically on a rails, you know, and you have to go along with whatever decision the leaders make, you know. Yeah. There's the illusion of, of agency, but it's not there. So it's like, you know, I have to burn down a tree that I don't want to burn down and be part of the group that does it. You know, thanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I mean that—that's that, a really good example, right? Of like yeah. you're you're just buckled in for the ride and you don't have agency over what it is. Yeah. So, but Stanley, you know, and and truly, you know, they've turned this—they turned the company into like a multimedia powerhouse, and you right. know, obviously their movies when they were not. They were, you know, they had some, I guess, false starts, you might say. I mean, how many Punisher movies were there? Um, right. I mean, I would say the biggest inflection point was proving with Batman. You know, that that was the Dark Knight series with Christian yeah. Bale and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I think the first successful superhero movie was probably Superman, you know, um, with Christopher Reeves. Yeah, and, right. Yeah. And the first probably successful television series were probably like Superman and Batman, you know, um, when they did the live action stuff. Yeah, even you know? far, even farther back. Right. I mean, there was a Spider-Man TV series, I think, for a year or two that was OK. I, I know as I was a lot, I was really young. I was always trying to catch it, but never seemed to be able to stay up. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the Incredible Hulk, with, you know, that's Lou Frigno. And, right. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. This very became the Marvel, the Marvel podcast. But that was all, that was very dramatic, you know. Out of superheroes, that, the the Incredible Hulk was very dramatic, you know, yeah. in a sense, you know, that kind of showing you know. how to trans the transformation and stuff like that. And then we went several years without anything, <laughs> and then uh, more than that. several, right? A lot of it yeah. turned in, like in the '90s was all just cartoon based stuff, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. Now what we have is um, what was it? Into the Spider Verse is coming out. Yeah, which the looks first animated. I, I love that stuff with the, the multi-verse Spider-Man and things like that. I mean, I've been reading that stuff for a while in the comic book world. So just to have it kind of go to a movie and have it animated is really cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Stan Lee, if him and Jack Kirby and the crew over there, you know, they've they followed their passions and it seemed to pay off for everyone. Yeah. Know? I mean, realistically, it did. Right. I mean, yeah. 
it, it set the playing field for a lot of different things. And I, 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 without a doubt, I would say there's a lot of people at Blizzard that probably look to those guys for inspiration and, you know, kindred spirits. Even here, even here is you can get some like the, you know, Karazim, he has the Wolverine skins, which are right. Yeah. I didn't even, I totally just even, I was trying to think, I was like, who's going to get a Marvel skin one day. And I did totally like slip my mind that that would even exist. Tasuke's <laughs> got the Wonder Woman one. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else I can think of. I think there's one or two more. There's uh, got to be. Yeah. The Captain America yeah. one or like the Rainer one. Oh, yeah. There's Rainer with Captain America. Yeah. America. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And it's kind of like the article you shared here with the um, Polygon. It's Heroes of Storm has found his identity. Yeah. Which I I kind of agree with. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the MOBA industry was established. We talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. too. So, anyway, yeah, so we're talking about the uh, Here's of the Storm has found its identity as a MOBA genre. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely have established themselves. Now, I'm, you know, I'm not a fan of other MOBAs. So, I, you know, the only one I know is Here's of the Storm. Yeah. I mean, so I don't know the narratives of League of Legends or Dota 2. I just know that Dota 2 was born from, you know, Defense of the a Ancients. Warcraft the, mob or mod, or Warcraft, not mob. Yeah. So most of the heroes are based off the off, off of Blizzard properties, just renamed and. You know. Yeah, I remember back like I was probably want to say first year. One of the guys on Reddit had uh, made a supercut of like the models of heroes in yeah. Dota, mm-hmm. and models of heroes and heroes, or at least the ones that have been created so far. And it was really cool to see like wow, these models are like almost exact. Not really exact, exact, but like close enough that you they were you could see how they were like from the same cloth. You know, like the dev team revisited those and said, okay, here's here's this hero, like Illidan is one that I remember. And I'm like, they're like, how do we make Illidan and kind of update him to, to now standards, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in this article, you know, it kind of outlines how Blizzard, you know, how they established the game. But this year, and I think, and I think the, what they're trying to highlight is this year, Blizzard, you know, or the development team finally said, you know, this is what we are. This is this is our universe. Um, we have a, you know, we're not going to we're going to play by certain rules, but we're very open to experimentation. And more importantly, mm-hmm. this is a love letter to our fans. You know, the, the, the general Leoric uh, skins is where they're saying thank you so much, you know, fans for, you know, giving yeah. us ideas <laughs> and inspiring us, you know, and. Um, you know, so there's that plus the Orphea, the first original hero from the universe, which you can either like or you not like, I, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I mean, to me, yeah. it's just a, it's a hero. But like, you know, we've talked about last week, this gives them an opportunity if they don't want to they want to create a hero, but they don't want to like pull from another Blizzard property and put stuff in there that they don't like. This is the opportunity that they can create those heroes. That they they can create their version of Spider-Man or whatever. Right. Yeah. And put it in the game, <laughs> right? And give it some backstory and stuff. And I think it was you know it was bold. It, we didn't understand. We didn't know where we were. You know, back in March when they announced it at um you know Pax East, you know we With didn't know where this was going to go. Yeah. Well, where we, you know with the uh well the first comic they announced. Oh yeah, that, yes. Data. And we didn't know where this was going to go. You know, we didn't know that they were, you know, there was speculation there was going to be a hero associated with this, but no one knew. And then it kind of became more and more clear after the third comic where they were going. So with the Orphea and, you know, so then they deliver and, you know, 
for good, bad, or indifferent, I, I you know, I, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'm totally okay with it, and we'll get into yeah. the actual mechanics of it a little yeah, bit later, later. But I, I, I'm okay with it, and I think she's a fun hero, and I like that they it has its own story and everything like that. And it, I don't know, I just don't know what's there to hate, really. Like, yeah. like it's it's almost like saying. You created this thing, but you it's like, no, you shouldn't be trying to do your own thing, kind of, if that makes right. sense. Well, when they started off, they were they had to you know pay homage to all the other titles, right? And now right. this is them kind of relaunching in a sense that we can do our own own heroes now that are unique. More importantly, it also gives them the opportunity to maybe introduce uh, other aspects of Heroes of the Storm. Or other aspects of Blizzard um, in a more uh, narrative point of view. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. You know, hopefully, maybe there's some brawls eventually. I, mean, I, think, about... I think it's their way of trying to experiment with adding story to a MOBA, right? Exactly. Because like, if you think of all the other MOBAs, I don't think there's a story, really. Yeah, I don't really know. but I wouldn't know... know either. I don't think Dota has one. League kind of has a thing where they have like a world map now, but I don't really know much about it, to be honest. Yeah. And maybe that's the thing is, uh, I just want to play the game. Don't care about, you know, fine, Yeah, I mean, fine, that could, you know, I mean, that could totally be it. Right. But, yeah. but what, I think when you add l- nuance and layers to things that just attracts more people to it because it makes it that much more engaging for certain people. Right. Maybe it's not for you, but it could be for well, somebody um, else. For me, like, you know, the World of Warcraft, I wasn't up when I started playing the actual World of Warcraft, I wasn't up on the entire storyline of the MOBA or, mm-hmm. you know, or the or the RTS. I mean, I played through it a little bit, but you know, so I didn't understand everything. And it took me several years to kind of get into the all the various stories and, and raids and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um I know like when I played Battletech, you know, I played the the, the board game, you know, march the miniatures around and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't until I started reading the books that I really got mm-hmm. into the, you know, the, 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 the narrative and such and why the, you know, why things are the way they are and stuff. And, I, you know, so I really started looking forward to that. So yes, having some type of story, um, even Diablo, like I played Diablo, but I didn't know all the story. And now I bought the books, like the book of Cain. And, you know, so now I at least know where all the, mm-hmm. this Diablo stuff is coming from. And <laughs> Right. And that's, yeah. That's, so, you know, and yeah, so maybe here's the storm. They will, you know, continue to down. It might be, it's not, it's going to be iterative. It's going to take its time, but eventually I think it'll, they're going to fill in some of the loose ends that the you know, people were talking about that they didn't like, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's all fair criticism. So, yeah. And I think that this article kind of says, you know, this is the capstone project. You know, we get this, we get a new hero. And more importantly, it's, it's starting to make heroes fun. You know, and there's there's serious aspects to heroes, right? You know, like the the dark nexus and all this other stuff, which is driving their their narrative. But then there's they can have these escapism type things too, like the generative Yorick and you know the fun stuff, the luchador. Yeah. You know, we talked about that last week, and so both of these are mutually exclusive within Heroes of the Storm. You can have the serious drama, and you can also have the fun thing, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's. I mean, like, like again, at, at the end of the day, it's still the love letter, right? Where they can just exactly. be the playground of all these different things. And it's like, well, what if that hero was, you know, in in this universe, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or 
Or what, what if, you know, I mean, they even did that with Orphea, though, right? Orphea is pretty yeah. dark, but then they made her a teenager in high school, right? Yeah. She's got yeah. a locker on her back for her second costume or her skin. Carrigan's <laughs> got a cheerleader outfit. Right. <laughs> and so now it's like this cohesive, like, what if all these heroes were in, like, high school? Right. And so you got, like, the volleyball Lee Ming and you got cheerleader Carrigan and, like, you know, angsty teenager emo Orphea, you know, and it's got like the girl squad now. If you, yeah, if, if you want it, <laughs> if you look at the if you look at the image on the um the polygon, uh, the one that has the general yeah, the, the, the art, American, the art one at the very top, it says Rainer. So they Rainer does exist in this universe, and so and like I told you in Starcraft, <laughs> oh, he's like, probably like the one, quarterback or something. Well, he might have been the nerd too. He might have been like because like it, when I what was it on. Um, in the, one of the StarCraft anniversaries, they had portraits for Zeratul, Rainer, oh, and Kerrigan. Oh, right. And Rainer was kind of a geek. He had like the... the, the you can the, see his glasses, what? his nerdy looking yeah, glasses and a mullet. Nerdy glasses, yeah. That'd so, be hilarious. I mean, like there's a picture of... Uh, there's a picture of Lee Ming and there's a picture of Murky, you know, in there. And Diva with her... Uh, looks like... It looks, or it looks like Diva. Yeah. Yeah. So... So they're all in there. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's more, you know, I think it's going to be awesome. And like I said, the fact that General Yorick made it into the game is just, you know, just an amazing love letter. I remember when they announced that. That was like two years ago. Or like, not two years ago. It was like two years ago, like, that people were like, oh, you know, it would be a cool skin. You know, it was like the what if type thing. And then, you know, the fact that it even exists in any form is pretty cool, right? Because what kind mm-hmm. of game did devs listen about community feedback and say, hey, you know what? We're actually going to spend money and make that real. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then they take it to another level, too, because they could just make the skin. Right? But they mm-hmm. made the skin, made animations for the skin, and made a mount with it. It's going to be a bar of soap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so like that's kind of like yeah. above and beyond, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only thing I'm wondering is this year, what's what's hold this year for events, right? I mean, are mm-hmm. we looking at like another Mechastorm event, you know, or, you know, or will it be Storm completely win? new? Yeah, or will they, they just like kind of allow people to buy those skins and yeah. stuff and, and and then just move on to something else, like totally new events, you know, or will they build upon those events and add like new, like a lot of things for the Dark Nexus, people want to see the Haka skins, you yeah. know, because he was introduced there. So I'm hoping that, you know, and the same with the wrestling event, you know, I, th- I hope that they would add more wrestling. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, he, he killed one of the Dark Nexus things, right? The Raven Lord? I think so, yeah. And I think it was a Dahaka, because I remember watching the video, and yeah. I couldn't tell what it was, but I think you saw, like, the dinosaur skull-looking thing, and then the other, yeah, yeah, Elrak yeah. and Gul'dan, yeah. were like, hey, we don't want to be dead, too, so let's just play along. <laughs> so, like I said, I hope that they they continue on these themes, you know, yeah. like, these, these themes, but, you know, we don't know, right? I mean... Like nothing's been the same year to year. You know, there's always the only thing it's the same year to year is the holiday events. Yeah, you know, winter, those are the only ones know, that are. <laughs> but it's but they still don't do the same skins every year, right? Right. They add yeah. in a few more maybe, and then they re-release yeah. the old ones, but some of them don't come back. Right. So they start off. It usually starts with uh, you know the Christmas event. Yeah. Then then the Chinese New Year's. And the Christmas Valentine. event is like really close at this point. Yeah, and. Uh, I, then it really, I think it skips and it goes until like uh, um, October to Halloween. Then they have a Halloween event, you know. So it's like, and then they have this the special events throughout the year, you know. It's like you know, we did the Warcraft event this year and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but oh yeah, that Mad Max thing was that was 
because the, the year before they did. Uh, yeah, and that was awesome. So, yeah, but I'm hoping that they, they continue that as well. And once again, this is their thing. League of Legends, Dota, not really doing that stuff. Yeah, so, but the cool thing about Dota is that you can create your own skins and sell them, right? That's part of the Dota model. Like, you can create a skin and then put it in their marketplace and people mm. can buy it. So... That is kind of interesting. I mean, I don't think Heroes is ever going to do that. <laughs> no, I don't think so either. But still, you know, I mean, that's kind of neat, you know. I, I don't think that's Blizzard style, right? Like, they don't okay. really, they don't like outside intervention, right? Like, how many cease and desist have you seen go up when people are making their own projects that build around? Yeah, that's true. Stuff like that. Yeah, the one thing, though, is like with Warcraft Reforged, they are going to um, reintroduce the, you know, the map making tool and one of the things i learned i'll watch the about the i read an article about the architecture is that what they've done is to make warcraft reforge is they got the core engine right and that has all the the standard rules and and how the game plays and stuff so that yeah. stays intact and what they did was they created a layer a presentation layer to put all the new assets into the game so it's kind of a separate layer now that and because they have such better computers and processing now they can put that second layer on top of the original layer so that is one way to kind of upgrade your graphics of your game but keep the core mechanics uh like it is like they wanted i don't think they did that with starcraft when they remastered that yeah um, but maybe they did i don't know but I, I know that with warcraft because they redid all the cinematics that's the that's the approach they're taking to this this thing and, and obviously like diablo could be a definite uh target for these remastering as well where they keep, keep the core gameplay mechanics and they just upgrade the graphics so they support 4k and that kind of stuff so it seems like they figured out a technology to do that which yeah. and i think that's what a lot of people want they don't want you know like starcraft players they're okay with starcraft too i mean but they really like the original there's a lot of people like the old starcraft way and the bad pathing and all that kind of stuff so yeah no i teach their own so like i played the uh classic demo during blizzcon mm -hmm. and uh well you know what totally i couldn't deal with mm -hmm. <laughs> is uh the, the writing text of the quests oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i totally forgot about that because I, when i played back in bc that was a thing but you could turn off, turn on the option in, in the settings for it to be auto just pop up, you know, like an IM. Okay. So it was a setting back in the day. So yeah. I didn't play classic and I didn't know that was a thing. And I was like, oh my God, I got to sit here for an extra 10 seconds to wait for my quest to be click accept. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I can't do that. Sorry. It's just not a thing. <laughs> I'm not going to sit to wait to play. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, teach. I mean, teach their own though, right? Because other people are gonna like that immersive feel of it and being able to exactly. like skim the text and all that stuff. I'm just so used to the the current way of WoW's played, where everything's like, well, get your quest and then run out into the world and you know go to your marker on your map and do your deal yeah. and turn them all in. Because I forgot too that we had to buy like download add-ons that did the quest tracking back in the day. Exactly. You know, yeah. and I completely forgot about that. I was like, dang, things have Thought gone. Five. Yeah. Yeah, and like, and then things like, uh, you know, and now things like, you know, just even getting a group, right? There's no group finder. Right. <laughs> it's like really. And it's so common in every other game these days, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, there's a lot of optimization in WoW, and to go back to the original and make it, I'm like, well, more power to you. You know, it's like, 
I, I you know I do remember it was fun, but I'm I'm okay with where things are now, and I'm okay with where I'm at right now. Wow, well. yeah. So. So last week we um, had our show on uh, Wednesday, and then on Thursday there was an AMA from post BlizzCon. The devs decided to get together really quick and kind of kind of flush out some of the things they mentioned at BlizzCon. Um, oh yeah, they just, to kind of just get more details. I was trying to remember what this AMA was for. <laughs> it was the basically it was the it was a gameplay discussion you know the 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 balance the the gameplay changes and such yeah so um uh what if you go to uh hot slogs they actually kind of did a um like a q a kind of uh summary um which was pretty good i think a couple of things that were um kind of mentioned uh you know number one pv brawls uh will they make a comeback and they've said uh they they definitely like them and they definitely want to work on them more. Um, they don't really have anything uh, to, to talk about right now, but they definitely thought that they were a good way of telling stories. So, um, mm-hmm. then someone asked, "Hey, is there any chance for a battleground next year?" Um, and you know, uh, Blizz Cooper he said, uh, "You know, we're going to continue to update the battlegrounds." They started talking about what they're thinking about. They talked about their commitment to like things like uh, to modernizing certain things like Garden of Terror. So they really stuck on the Garden of Terror. Um, but I think that you know, there was a hint that quite possibly there's another Warcraft uh, event, uh, battleground on the way. And and like I said, if you're reading the tea leaves, it might be around the time when Warcraft Reforged released or in that kind of vein. Um, Chaos OS, he seemed to, he was dominating the uh, question Q&A <laughs> with a lot of questions. Uh, he asked about how will draft order work for the changes to uh, Team League and Hero League. And they basically said they like what's going on currently in Team League where everyone just, it's first come first serve. Um, so they're looking to kind of implement that. No swapping per se. Um, then you know, some people were like, hey, how do you determine something is a bruiser versus a tank? And uh, they said their philosophy is um, that they, bru- they view bruisers as characters that are fairly tanky and frontline characters, but they can also solo lane efficiently. So basically they have wave clear. So I think that's kind of the TLDR. They might have some self-sustaining, but really they have, they have, they have improved wave clear. Yeah. And, and, I mean, that kind of makes sense from their from, from as a cookie cutter of a description as you could get it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's, uh, they asked, you know, so the gameplay changes that are going to come in where uh, reduce the XP from towers and take away XP from forts and keeps and then introduce um, uh, uh, catapults every third uh, wave if you take down a fort. Uh, and then the, and then the uh, minion or the, the camp changes. Um, mm-hmm. They said, you know, did, what is, you know, what was your, what was your net effect? And they said the match has still stayed around 18 to 20 minutes. So, um, you know, right now, based on their limited testing, they think it's not going to, it's not going to cause the games to uh, snowball. And more importantly, they'll stay about the same time, you know. So we should see. Now, there's been a lot of questions on Reddit, like, when is this patch going to drop that has the, the gameplay changes? No one knows. But, you know, once yeah. again, if you're, if you like to read tea leaves, you know, December 11th is the end of season four and the beginning of season, you know, one of 2019. So it makes sense if it was around there, right? Yeah, it makes I, a lot of sense. 
I, I think overall, it felt like the anime was there so that people would not be so, like, you know, grab your pitchforks about the, um, the lading changes. Because I think a lot of people were really upset about them. Mm-hmm. And it felt like them being like, hey, guys, we've been playtesting this for an iterating a long time. Like, we're not going to just imp- throw something at you guys, you know, at early stages, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think I think it did a relatively good job of explaining things. Another thing that came out was um, talking about, you know, when they do start uh, uh, trying to, to streamline the matchmaking in favor of uh, sharing MMR. Uh, They started talking about like leaderboards and things like that. Um, And I think, uh, you know, Blizz Joe, he tried to kind of, he says there's a number of things that were uh, kind of were considering. And um, so one of the things they wanted to do is use unified MMR as opposed to having MMR for team league and and hero league. Uh, That was one, one thing they were talking about. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And there is a concern about Smurfs and Team League and how that might uh, impact the integrity of the latter. So I think there might be some party restrictions um, as a result, you know, to make things a little bit more balanced. But they haven't really outlined that. And I think that this stuff is like probably season two out, you know, per se. I think what they're going to do is probably do the combined league in season one. And then they might start adding restrictions as needed. Mm -hmm. So... Once again, they talked about uh, party restrictions. Uh, one of the things that you have to have so many heroes in order to play Team League because you have to be able to go through all the bands, right? So um, uh, they might say if your group, if you're partying up with a group of five, they might restrict, remove those types of restrictions on people. I so, mean, that makes sense, right? Because if you're right. if you're all committing to play together, then mm-hmm. you're you're taking on the risks. I think the one good change. Um, it, that they mentioned was that they would lock it to the highest MMR. Right. Which I think, I think that is more fair for the highest player rather than going for the average. Mm-hmm. Because the average then returns into a stomp fest, right? Where you get those Smurfy guys who are playing on a, right. a gold or a silver account and they're really actually diamonds and you're getting well, a, a plate against all diamonds. Yeah, I mean, I think it should be a, a combination of the two. You're right. You don't want, but here's the thing: is you can get a Smurf, right? So right. the Smurf is, you know. So I don't think it's an easy problem to solve. No, um, I mean, there's it, there's a lot of feelings involved with this thing, right? right. <laughs> and especially when you start grouping up, right? That's that's the the, the rub because you can have your friend that's bronze, and you know everyone else is carrying the bronze right, player. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be challenging. You know, I still think it's and, hard to carry people up rather than it is to carry, like carry down. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I think what people are concerned with is like, you know, you have a, you know, a master's level player, um, maybe two golds and a, and a, and a, and a couple bronze. Right. Yes. So then, you know, because the MMR is kind of wacky, um, you could get like, you know, four golds and, maybe yeah right. silver. Then, then the averaging of the mrs turns <laughs> into this weird math equation and it's like right <laughs> so all of a sudden you got the guy who's the hyper carry you know and they were <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, so so that i, I mean, think that's what that used like, to happen all the time back in team league where when the the zarya ariel vala meta was the thing and so you get people who are you know queuing together and smurfing or whatever and they would just do 
that like unkillable th- trio, you know, with the right. three with the three two combo, right? And how do you beat that if you're not expecting it or whatever? Right, you really can't. <laughs> Another question from Chaos OS was he talked about the enemy player names during draft, and this is oh, yeah, um, he, I think by the way, just shout out to him. He was like on point with so many questions hmm. for that. <laughs> yeah. He put up like at least uh, ten. I saw when I was looking. Yeah, was yeah. Him through. and Cavalier Guest were like kind of like warring it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, this other question he had was, um, you know, enemy player uh, nameplates. Remember, they took away the nameplates because they were afraid. You know, the, they were afraid of people being able to counterpick people before just knowing who they are. And yeah. I think that they're thinking about uh, restri- removing that restriction, per se. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Um, I kind of liked it not having nameplates just from, like, my experience as a streamer, which, not that I was, you know, ever popular or anything like that, but I just thought it was a cool little quality of life. Well, I think it's uh, also trying to figure out who the one-trickers are. You know? <laughs> so that was, mm. the, that was the thing. So, yeah, that's fair. Um... Moving on, just uh, any other highlights? I mean, there's yeah, you can read it yourself, folks. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's there on the internet, on the interwebs. Oh, yeah, the one question I did put forth though, and another one from Chris KSOS was, how did the team decide whether or not to include heroes in multiple roles? <laughs> and then he had another one. It was, uh, does the team believe Abathur needs a rework? <laughs> and when they said they are going to rework Abathur, um, yeah. I think that they really, I think the consciousness thing is the solo support ABBA. Yeah. And the question I put forth, but didn't get a response, but it got a lot of upvotes was, do you feel like the announcements at BlizzCon were sufficient enough to encourage new players to play the game? And I saw that one. I didn't realize it was you that I didn't read well enough. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't get a response, but I was wondering, I wanted to hear what their thoughts were. And obviously this this uh, release, they did add a big hero bundle. Right. So right. you right. can get 30 heroes for like, what, 4000 yeah. gems. It's honestly a pretty good deal. And it's because of a lot yeah. of good ones. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the heroes that were released this year, plus, you know, some of the he- you know, meta heroes from previous releases. So, yeah, I think it's a good value. And I, you know, the the thing is, is that I think, you know, New players, they he- they see what they see on Reddit. They hear what they hear about, you know, being the third banana. But, you know, hopefully the Blizzard maybe starts marketing <laughs> to new players. Now, the problem with the influx of new players is then it frustrates a lot of people. Because these- <laughs> because a but, lot of people are very... Well, um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe they need to figure out a way to kind of like have these promotions to encourage new players to come in from other ge- other, yeah. their other games. And, you know, see what it does. You know, I think that they're okay with what they got, though. Uh, I mean, they still they still have a lot of incentives for new players to join. You know, you can go through the tutorial. But some people feel the tutorial itself needs an upgrade, you know, an update. And uh, maybe to make it more into the... They could use it as part of the lore hooks, but um, because there is a lot of the stuff that, you know, they were kind of introducing the lore during the training with the trainers. So... Um, yeah, so, but I, th- you know, I think new players do, this is a lot, there's a lot to learn. Oh, know. I mean, the game is infinitely more complex than it was. Right. The Reddit new player guide, you know, it, it, it it's voluminous, you know, figuring out how much stuff you have to know, you know, and it's really difficult to kind of figure out what's the most things to, fo- what's the most yeah. important things to focus on mechanically or, you know, 
So hopefully, and some people just, you know, they, they want to play the game. They just want to go in they want to just pick talents and, you know, keep, you know, you know keep clicking buttons, which yeah. is fine. That's part of having fun, right? So yeah. hopefully they figure out a way to kind of counterbalance that. Yeah. I think honestly, yeah. the, be- the best way to get into Heroes is playing with another friend who's played it a little bit and is willing yeah. to just like give you pointers and tips. And, you know, I, I don't. I think the easiest way too is like don't worry about what's good or bad, you know. Just play right. what sounds interesting to you because there's no yeah. I don't because you're not gonna get into it. I, I think because I think that in any MOBA the barrier to entry is um, finding a hero that you're good with, or one that you enjoy and that you think you could be good with, right? Because right. the there's so many heroes, right? It becomes like the the uh, paradox of choice, right? Mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i mean and there's so many choices right you yeah know, it's like I, I like to play supports i know when i first played i started playing morales i don't know why but it's just she seemed like she was kind of cool i like starcraft so i started playing her you know and i didn't know like you should be auto attacking while you're beaming you know <laughs> all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. you know and i mean and you know the mana problems she had when she was first released you know that was always a problem you know, it's like no energy no heal you die and she really had some she had some challenges but you know it was definitely one of the first heroes i got to master skin you know level 10 yeah. you know and uh at the time and you know uh then i went to leoric once again he just seemed like he was cool <laughs> like, i love i i still leoric is one of those heroes that i can play religiously like or played religiously mm-hmm. in the beginning it was like thrall then leoric right. and it was like my brother would play artanis and i would play leoric and for some reason, like that combo just like, I don't know. I think those two was before they had changed the globes. If I remember correctly, I think, yeah, that was the infinite stacking globes. So I would just like get like 60 regen oh, yeah. by the end of a map and my regen would just be dumb, you know, and then yeah. I, and then you just drop your creepy hand on somebody and you're just regening all your health while regening all your health. Right. Exactly. You have like a straw attached to somebody. And right. you just wound up making these really dumb plays. And I always went in tune back then, even too. So it was like, I don't know. The the old Leoric will always hold a special place in my heart because the reworked Leoric doesn't, isn't as fun to me. He still has some yeah. of the same flavor, but yeah. that, that Leoric is still near and dear to me. Yeah. And like I said, <laughs> I, had a great time, I had a great time playing him because you just walk in and swing and, you know, you're taking down people and yeah. stuff. So. And, yeah, but then there were heroes I really didn't get, like, you know, it's like I tried it, but it just seemed like he was never had enough healing. And, you know, I didn't understand the bite parts and stuff. Mm-hmm. It took me, you know, it took me two solid years to kind of feel like I was competent. You know, like right. I said, you know, I, I played a lot of AI and then went back to WoW for a period of time. Yeah. I came back and said, let me start playing quick match. You know, so I, I think, too, playing. sometimes you need to, like, take a break. Like, it's like in learning anything, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I think when a hero gets released, there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of changes. There's all this stuff, right? But then I think you want, like if you play the hero during the first initial wave and people are trying to figure it out, also I think there's a lot of fixation on those new heroes where a lot of people will target, overly target you because mm-hmm. they think you're a broken hero or they're like, oh, God, he's new. I don't know what he does. Make him go away, kind of, right? Right. Um, I, I think that drives a lot of the first wave impressions of heroes. So then when you go back and replay them, like we just played a game right before we started recording about, um, uh, I played Balganis and I didn't, 
like after I played him during the you know the release week, I thought he was kind of eh. You know, I didn't know what his identity was a little bit. Like he didn't feel like a main mm-hmm. tank. He didn't feel like a off tank, so to speak, either. And then I just played him now, and I'm like, oh, he does. He feels for sure like a main tank now. You know, he doesn't really have the wave clear. He's got the sustain. He's got a lot of peel. It's just mm-hmm. about using your cooldowns effectively, and not right. just chaining them all together because you feel like it. Right, knowing when to like <laughs> use your Q to escape and that. Yeah, kind of stuff. or or even like when to use your sleep properly to like peel for your you know support when you have a variant right. that's chasing her down. <laughs> <laughs> help me! Help me! There's a guy on me. Yeah. <laughs> Q Q. <laughs> Your favorite thing is a guy on me. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's a perfect discussion to kind of get into Orphea now, right? Sure. Like, I, I think Orphea herself, and this, just with the patch notes, this, this patch notes was really small. Um, right, yeah. That was, it was a Gul'dan chain. chain. Yeah, it was like a 2% <laughs> Q buff on his uh, Q stacking quest at level 1 to kind of give more build diversity, maybe? I don't really mm-hmm. know. I assume that's the case because yeah. the the corruption quest is way too apparent as a playstyle for Gul'dan. So I, it, to me, it seems right. like they just want people to play more. Um, but yeah, Orphea. I mean, from a kit perspective, she probably has the coolest kit ever. <laughs> Definitely a lot of animation, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, and the it's like, it, I love Chomp the the W mm-hmm. animation. It's very visceral and feels like you you know you really are taking a bite out of minions when you do it um i think you're gonna see orphea in every hdc match yes. next year because her, her skill ceiling is massive right yeah. because because the, the people in hdc those guys that can micro properly right, right. they th- that was the biggest thing i saw right like you land your cue and you, all of a sudden you blink right because i'm just so used to spam clicking all the time right I wound up blinking, like, my first game, I for sure blinked into the enemy team more often than I should have. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just not used to doing that. And that makes sense. Um, yeah. I, go ahead. And the thing about Orphea is she's going to... So she's got a certain play style, but more damage kind of style as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's going to be kind of like the kind of the keystone... Uh, for how other heroes are reworked and balanced to yes. kind of make, you know, I think she's kind of setting the bar. Like she is going to put output a lot of damage, but then as they rework other heroes, they're going to focus on kind of compensating that or making counterplay, you know, around that. But also, I think they like the numbers. I think they like it. Feels it, they're going to nerf her, obviously, but yeah. I don't think she's going to. I don't think she's going to get like. Um, I don't think she's uh, my, my, my over, I don't think she's yeah. my overtuned. I think she's overtuned, but I think she has so much conditionality in what makes mm-hmm. her powerful, right? Like the reset of her Q, like her biggest mm-hmm. ability is her Q, but it's also her poke ability, right? Right, right. So you miss that ability, you lose a lot of your like engage potential because you need to land your Q to be able to blink in, get a chop off. Well, realistically, it's land your E, get land your Q, get a W, reset. And hopefully, right. hopefully, someone's dead by then. Um, so, so using the not paradox paradigm for basically his analysis from the HTC, where he said you had the you know you have the uh, then you have the follow up, and then you right. have the blow up, the blow up comp, right? Um, and you might have another follow up. What do you think she provides enough? Uh, she does the burst easily. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she can burst. All right, she can so for she sure can bo- burst. burst, but she's very combo oriented. Where if you miss any one of your skill shots, you kind of lose a lot of it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the one thing that kind of sets her apart from most follow-up is the alt choice of the, um, I forget what it's called, but the one that pulls them together and stuns. That one, it, because it's a stunning ability, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's one of those things that really adds um, a whole another level to the character that's going to be like that, you know, go-off kind of hero. That he's right. kind of been lacking in Heroes of the Storm, right? For a lot of people. Right. They kind of like, you know, 4v1, 5v1, right? Yeah. <laughs> the the, the mm. what-the-fuck plays, but not the once-in-a-million. It's like that, that could be a thing that a good player who's got her, like, thing, her entire kit nailed down is going to be able to, to make happen, right? So crushing, you're saying Crushing Jaws is the playmaker. Oh, know, for sure. Okay. I mean, it, it, as yeah. an assassin who's arranged and wants people clumped, <laughs> yeah and then clumping heroes that you know plays in the Maevs uh, yeah <laughs> I mean we did that we did that yesterday we had the ridiculous yeah. mosh pit to <laughs> we didn't use yeah. the, the crushing jaws but we we yeah, the, made our own version of with the internal feast right. but and that's the thing is when you start playing a little bit more organized with friends and team league and stuff you're going to start thinking about hero synergy and I think yeah. like you said her kit you know she's she's a different type of uh, ranged assassin where she can kind of Zip in, zip out, you yes. know, based on, and, but like you said, misses anything, doesn't, you know, target it correctly or, uh, you know, uh, they can, um, it will actually cost her, you know, yeah. in the long run. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing her more. Right now, you know, for right now for me, um, I'm kind of focusing on uh, White Mean and then following up with Phoenix and then uh, 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 Morganus. So yeah. she's like fourth on my list of heroes to kind of, Take a look at, but I think you know when it comes to melee, when it comes to assassins, I think I I personally favor more ranged assassins, but I do play things like thrall. For some reason, I get thrall, but put me in my ev, and I'm like, hmm, I'm I'm okay with my ev. Cassia. Yeah, my ev is one of those one, one that was really hard when mm-hmm. I first played her, because mm-hmm. I'm so used to because she's a bruiser, right? Kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, and a playmaker, but she doesn't have like the the sustain but she has the invulnerability window but not the sustain right you know i mean you play you play when you're playing my ev you're playing with a lot (laughs) yeah but you can play with luhel because you can get a lot of armor too if you land your abilities right yeah so but it's like not like a thrall where a thrall can go and heal sustain yeah yeah he locks him down he's the follow-up right he follows up you know and makes sure things stay still still so everyone else can kind of pound on him and then he has a giant killer capability as well and, and he can sit there and put his hammer on you know all the tanks heads and take away percentage health right you know same with uh or- orpheus she's got you know she's got a giant killer you know so um and that's the thing is knowing when to use your giant killer versus other your other abilities and such mm-hmm. you know so I'm looking forward to playing her, you know, but right now I'm okay with where other people play her because then I get to kind of learn from them. You know, I'm not that guy that goes in and tries to figure out everything about a hero right away. And we've talked about that because I, I feel like you have about two patch cycles, two nerf cycles before I really the hero stabilizes. And I don't want to develop bad habits. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but um, what was it? Uh, Chaos OS wrote a quick article about um, Orphea. Math and- of the Storm. My favorite, my favorite weekly post or bi-weekly posts. And he kind of breaks down, you know, uh, all the abilities and such. And when it comes down to the talent builds, you know, he kind of gives his like uh, he analyzes them. But he, he it's great because he summarizes at the very top which one he, he recommends. And so like for level one, 
he's recommending ancestral strength almost all the time and occasionally on point. Yeah. And, and it was never a growing nightmare. So, uh, uh, what was it? Um, uh, ancestral strength. This is, the, I, I've seen a lot of streamers also go with this. And this is where the non hero deal 25% more damage to stun. So basically, it's the Rainer stun, get more damage, get more DPS. So this is definitely going to be the, uh, one of the targets probably for some uh, nerfing. Um, the other ability you recommended there, which was uh, on point, that's the Shadow Waltz uh, deals an increased 50% damage to enemies that are hit by uh, hit by the end you know, of the, the ability. So moving on to level four, uh, Chaos OS is recommending Fright. And that's, once again, I've seen a lot of people recommend this as well. Yeah. Um, Dread slow also applies to the enemies in. So basically, this is your slow, <laughs> you know, and it and it applies to enemies uh, in Dread's path and picks up uh, stacks up to fifty percent. So it's the that synergy between the two, like doing more damage, more slow. <laughs> Level uh, seven, you know, he kind of says um, the ravenous hunger is really easy to stack and adds enormous uh, amounts of uh, burst. Uh, Instatiable is the best for a uh, dancer build if you're going to do that Q dancing build or whatever. Um, and and Mind Devourer is also like a safe pick. Um, and basically it gives you a stronger wave clear. So, um, you know, your choice. But I think a lot of people I've seen go Ravenous Hunger, you know, at level seven so far. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not sure what you've experienced. So I've tried basically every build of hers. I've tried the E build, mm -hmm. I've tried the Q build, and then the game we played, one of the other games we played right before recording, I tried mm -hmm. what Chaos OS has been, uh, did for the blow up build. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the the Chaos, the blow up build that he did is probably the, the most, well at least going that level one talent that gives you the trait proc. Mm -hmm. That one makes the most sense because it's the easiest one to use of all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, on point, you have to literally hit the point, right? You know, to, to, to use his wording, just a tip, right? I, <laughs> I really enjoy that a lot. Because um, <laughs> it's really accurate and also fun. And um, I, I like that. And I just think, in general, the, um, the, the W... No, 7 talent for Insatable, I love that talent. I don't know why. It's so cool. Like eating minions right and getting that infinitely stacking w to do more burst damage like it's a really cool quest right because it's like mm -hmm. conditional so right? insatiable is not the quest one insatiable is the one hitting a hero with oh, internal hunger sorry mm -hmm. you're right i keep probably i've probably been saying that a lot we're talking about level seven right yes because level it's seven the, is ravenous, ravenous hunger and mind devour <laughs> so you can choose you know that's level seven now i'm, I'm getting them confused but yeah you know, the one that gives you the stacking damage on your on your W from killing minions. That one. Do that one. Yeah, that's Ravenous Hunger. <laughs> yeah. So that one, I just think it's a really cool talent, right? Because, like, you go in lane and you stack this up and then you go into team fights and you do more damage. And then it gives you, like, a Lehman style in, uh, dominance, you know, heal after getting a takedown. Which mm -hmm. I think is cool because that kind of synergizes exactly how you want to play, right? Yeah. Because... You want to go in, like, hit your Q, hit your E, and then go in for the finisher with your W. And then you took all that poke going in, right? So you get a big yep. burst heal. And it just makes sense, right? Yep. It's fine. And I think, you know, level 10, you know, internal feast and crushing jaws. I think 
Crushing Jaws is what most people are going to play in uncoordinated play. But if you yeah. do happen to have that coordinated play, I think Internal Feast can be kind of fun. Yeah. Especially if you, you, know, I, if you I have a... I think right yeah. now what we're seeing is a lot of people misusing abilities. Because I think for heroics, her heroics are really low cooldown. Yeah. Um, which is rare, right? Mm-hmm. All of them are 50 seconds. So they're going to be adjusted. <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're really low. Like, really, really low. Like, it, it, so for that to be a thing for now, it, it'll go away, definitely. It'll probably go to at least a minute. The The only thing I would then say from there is the Eternal Feast can be strong for as a zoning tool. I think, I think mm-hmm. Chaos alludes to that quite effectively, um, where he's where he says that the... the um, you know, looking at maps like Tube and Spider Queen, or you're fighting on objectives like Full Sky or even Braxis, you, you drop that on there, the enemy team has to basically be like, well, either we stay or we die, right? <laughs> or either we stay or we go. And but if you stay on that point, because it's always going to be there until it doesn't damage anything, you kind of have to flee. Um, other than that, I, I think her her playstyle is really micro-heavy in general. Yeah, I mean, well, that's without saying, you know, you want to, you have to be kind of skillful. Yeah, but there but is, I mean, there is with like the talents that you should take, kind of, right? Right, right, right. Like, like the level sixteen think, with the, the the lurking in the deep, where you get the yeah. extra chomp uh, at the range end of your. Eve. I think it's like, but I think that these are skills you can develop, and they, oh, yeah. you, and because they play, they pay off so well. I think that's part of like developing a skill like sometimes with cassia right you know she's really good you know damage wise burst damage wise but sometimes you don't get the payoff you know because you feel somewhat more vulnerable with her and obviously they've tweaked her here i don't you don't feel as vulnerable i don't know yeah and so you're willing and she's one of the few range assassins that has a straight with sustain built in right which is which is also weird right that's another weird caveat to this hero where you're you're getting the She's like the thrall range assassins. <laughs> a little bit, because she yeah. gets that kind of like, almost like a fist weaving thing where you have to, you hit mm-hmm. heroes with your spells and then you auto attack in between those hits to burst, do a, do one burst damage because it does give you, you know, it doesn't just give you healing, it does damage for you too, mm-hmm. you know, and then it adds in a sizable amount of healing as well. So, yeah, I mean, she has a lot of nuance to her. And I'm yeah. not going to say I'm anywhere near close to being anywhere proficient. <laughs> but, you know, here's the thing. I can you can see yourself playing, you know, putting the time into that. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's not. And because they release so many, they're releasing so few heroes this year. You can feel like you can put that time in and not like another hero come and then you have to learn that she's one. She's going to be one of those heroes that I think will be fun to be able to have yeah. as a pocket pick and be like, yeah, I can play this hero. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, but the one th- the one difficulty about her as a range assassin, you know, her PVE, like we were gar- talking about, not garbage. It's not great. It's not Hanzo great. Her it's not her wave clear great, is good though. Know. Her wave clear yeah. is good, but the yeah PVE is not great. Sort of like Junkrat. Yeah, yeah. good wave clear. Yeah, not so. <laughs> not so get good. The, yeah, but it still stacks up damage numbers like you know hero damage and, and yeah. yeah so. Level 13, um, you know, I think a lot of people are picking Determination, which is after a dash uh, with Shadow Waltz, uh, Orphea gains 50 spell armor, stacking up to twice. Mm-hmm. And while Orphea has Determination, her physical damage is um, increased by 15%. So, 
So I think a lot of people find the value in there. Um, Chaos OS makes a kind of a, a kind of a uh, argument for also taking invasive uh, miasma, which is activate to deal 150 damage to all nearby enemies for two seconds. Uh, for each here hit, uh, it heals uh, for 182 and in, in, in one chaos. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's not, it's it's something I guess if you feel more comfortable doing that, um, and it's it's part of the one shot build. So basically, you, you basically can go in and, and add an aspect to your damage. Yeah, that's... it's a weird. It's a definitely a weird talent. He says that a lot in that in his mm-hmm. description. I don't know. It feels like a long challenge time, but it's kind of like one of those things you pop it and then you Q, you hit like you land a Q, pop it, dash in, hit a W, blow up. You know, it's kind of like that. Like it's built into that like burst combo window. Yeah. I level sixteen. Yeah, level sixteen. You have the option between burst sustain. You know, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, what's it? Lurking terror is the uh, the burst approach after. Uh, dread erupts uh, for two seconds after activate to uh, cast chomp from the uh, eruption area. So basically, that that's the second chomp. Yeah, and does not share cooldown with chomp. So and I think it cool. gains the talent of chomp as well. Yeah, too, which is also weird for a talent. Mm-hmm. So that might get changed some at some point. Yeah, and then bonds of uh, anguish. The uh, shadow waltz deals a uh, bonus damage to uh, heroes equal to three percent, so uh, of the maximum heal- health, uh, and also heals or- Orphea for fifty percent of the damage dealt. The one that's not kind of popular is dead magic, basic attacks uh, that consume chaos, uh, ignore armor, and yeah, armor I mean I think it's just because armor is the stacking armor meta is not really a thing in right. coordinated play as much. And level 20, is, he says it's like, choose the one ever. Yeah. All of them are good. They're <laughs> all really good. Yeah. So. I haven't played with many of them, though. I think I've only done the upgraded uh, Crushing Jaws so far. Right, the engulfing, engulfing Oblivion. Yeah, it does armor reduction and then it resets it. If you crushing Jaws, kill. yeah. Yeah, Crushing Jaws reduces hit by 25 for yeah. two seconds. And the caveat times. there, too, is that it's a negative 25 armor, which is rare as well. So there's a so lot of things take, that are rare. <laughs> yeah. Well, the takedowns um, will set the cooldown by reset the cooldown by five seconds. So, oh, by five. Yeah, a lot oh. of people are p- picking um, Eldritch Conduit. Uh, each chomp consumes increase, uh, or in, each chomp consumed increases Orphea's spell power by five percent up to fifty percent. Hmm. After reaching a maximum bonus, the spell power is increased by an additional fifty percent. So it's hundred percent bonus total. Yeah, so I love insane. spell power builds. When I play uh, Mephisto, I like to take the spell build the power build, up. Right? Well, no, no, I like to. Sometimes I like to take the spell power. Oh, the, the all the E build type ones. Well, it's more like W, but is <laughs> uh, you you're basically just using the spell power, and then your Ws get and your Qs get powered yeah. at level one. So right. Um, so yeah, uh, seems like she's a uh, you know definitely over tuned right. Now. You yeah. Know, and they Definitely did. They did fun. give her balance, up, like a tuning pass on release yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I think the big one was her, her health went down, which I think was necessary. Right. Because with with how much self sustain she has, the she doesn't need more health. Right. And so you know he outlines two builds. Uh, one he's you know basically the one shot build, which is ancestral strength, fright, ravenous hunger, crushing jaws, invasive miasma. Miasma, Lurking Terror, and Engulfing Oblivion. Uh, 
and then the other option was the dancer build, which is more self-sustained. So this might be something you try and quick match a little bit. All Q builds. And it depends, know, too, if, like, if you don't want to go in, like if you're going against an Arthas or something, right? You really don't want to be using your W on top of an Arthas because you're going to be too close. Right. So doing a Q build where you're kiting around those semi, those slower melee guys is going right. to be the go-to. I guess, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the damage outputs are possible for each build, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he said then, for the uh, first build, it's around, like, 6,000 damage. Yeah, I think right. Toasty did, yeah, and Toasty did a video showing the combo, you know, this week on Reddit as well. So Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the matchups, uh, it's, it appears that Orpheus strong against Arthas, Stitches, and Leoric. Um uh, yeah, since he lacks most since Arthas lacks mobility, he <laughs> most heroes that have numbers. zero mobility, Orphea can yeah. dance circles around you, and the pun yeah. is absolutely necessary. Yeah, <laughs> and then center, she synergizes well with, uh, with an Anna, an Arthas, and a Blaze um, because you know the lockdowns, you know, and the ability to slow people so and and, and sleep them. So once again, that makes a great target for Orphea to land her combos. And then things that can counter her are Tracers, Zeratuls, and Lucio's, uh, uh, basically because it can make other people move faster and out of the uh, uh, out of her combos. Oh, really? Yeah. So, once again, you know, interesting hero release. Definitely think it's you know going to be uh, a meta hero period of time. Um, looking forward to getting you know getting my hands on her and trying out some stuff uh, soon. And that's about all I got for it. Yeah, I think we talked as much as we could say for now. Mostly just first impressions anyways. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, wrapping up tonight, uh, we did have the uh, Battleground sessions. Two and the Spider Queen was um, last Thursday. Uh, it seemed to get... It, it had a pretty good um, reception. Uh, you know, with regards to comments, the, the upvotes were not as high. But for the most part, you know, people feel like um, Naz is... This is not a... Is not a god tier map for Nazebo. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but the, you know, the problem is that you can get snowballed against and the game could end before you get to one. Yeah, so. that's definitely the one thing I don't like about this map now. It didn't feel like an issue before, but it does feel like one of the more snowbally maps. Yeah, as soon as, yeah, and maybe this is one of the things the experience changes are going to uh, rectify in this map and all the other maps is like, cause it's such a squished map. You know, it's, it's a three lane map, but it's kind of short. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, a yeah. Dan, it's the Danny DeVito of maps, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, with the lot with the bottling being kind of the longest. And then, um, it's a little bit like Volkskaya, right? Volkskaya, the top two lanes are kind of close together and you should have a four man rotation going between those two lanes. Mm-hmm. And then the bottom lane is more of the solo lane, even though the boss is at the top. So, um, you know, People say like Rag's a good pick on here because obviously you know he can clear waves and such. Yeah, but lava um, wave makes you lose gems. Well, I mean, if you use it appropriately, yeah. right? But still, but it's good, it's good at defending the web weavers, though. right? So I mean, there's still that. Still missing out on gems, and I don't like that part. <laughs> uh, it's all about efficiency. <laughs> but like I said, I think the the biggest thing to kind of you, you do want a jungler. Uh, or an assassin that can jungle and get the bottom camp and find a time to get the uh, the, the larger four man camp. And I think the you know there's a lot of strategies here. Is all about the four man rotation between top and mid. 
you know, getting that rotation down, getting your turn-ins. And then if you're falling behind, finding ways to contest the turn-ins is kind of an important priority. Um, yeah. You know, and also if you get any takedowns, you know, if you have the key, if you have the damage, go do the boss. You know, <laughs> that's that's kind of a high priority to it. You know, boss, it um, seems like a lot of a win condition. Yeah. And your, your top lanes are really your priority. You can kill the, the, the fort and the keep. The boss you know, has a free free lane to go in. So um, that's kind of important. Um, and, you know, trying to pick heroes that will have a good wave. So Gul'dan's great on this map. You know, Junkrat yeah. provides some value. So I think you got to think wave clear and then team fight because there are, there you know, when you contest the point, that's where the team fight is going to occur and knowing when to get everyone position you know i played the, i played towers of doom what was it no i'm sorry i played the tomb of spider queen yesterday and so i was playing this map and we had an abathur we had this kind of triple support weird comp right and we were getting owned i mean just owned i mean like the first wave came through they took the t- they took the fort and the keep and they took the bottom fort and we were looking like we were just done and for some you know we just hung in there um I had a Jaina and I had um we had Abathur Jaina. I'm trying to think. Anyway, but we we came back. I mean, like it was weird. Like you see, it was snowballing. I'm like, this is like blizzard matchmaking heaven, right? <laughs> and so it's like because yeah. we had two and we somehow turned it around. And I don't know how. Maybe it's just we got a couple of good team fights with uh taking out the Anna on the other team and such. And we beat him. But I was like, I was floored. You know, I was a little salty, too. So, <laughs> so I mean, you know, it is one of those maps where you can delay, you know, but I think once, like you said, once it snowballs and once you get once you get uh, two, two keeps or two keeps down, it's pretty much. Yeah. And I think, too, is if your team starts to panic and like give up kills to try and just stop the turn in mm-hmm. that that's when the snowball happens. Right. Right. Like right. When your team has to try too hard to stop it from happening. Right. Like. Right. That's that's why I think camps are camps are hard to get on this map though too because there's not many. Right, I mean you know it's, it's still a good false time map. I mean false yeah. can still stack his uh his, his uh min, you know his uh minion quest uh thing. I mean so it has global presence. So I mean yeah. he's it's good for him. Less less know. of a Dahaka map though. Right. So anyway, it was a good discussion. You know, like I said, I think people are liking these discussions because, you know, there's not a lot of discussion about map strategies. And so people do all throw their little tidbits here and there. Um, and there seems to be at least uh, the content creators that do are supporting uh, the maps themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and one of the things when I do put these these guides together or these uh, discussions together, I try to find a like a, a physical guide, you know, like a written guide. Yeah. So. And that seems to help people, I think. And then uh, yesterday's discussion was um, Towers of Doom, or Towers of Comeback is like what people like to call it. Because <laughs> I think like the HTC has pretty much made made their name by having this map featured as the final map on some others. <laughs> so, uh, so in Towers of Doom, uh, you know, obviously this is one of the ones that's going to have a weird effect with the new uh, changes with catapults because they don't have catapults. So. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah. So we'll be interesting to see what, what they've said. They've gone on record and said they're not going to, obviously that's not going to be a thing. 
Um, so I think this is the one map that might play like like it's traditionally played. You know, I'm not sure what they're going to do about taking down the uh, the tower if that's going to have an XP contribution or not. So yeah, but you know, but we shall see when. They, oh, that is interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think about that because taking the forts is a good way to get ahead. Yeah, hmm. and the one thing about this map, you know, when it comes to uh, popular heroes on this map. Um, you know, Diablo is definitely very popular on Towers of Doom. Yes. Uh, I mean, there's so many walls, especially down the right. bottom. Meriden, Varian. So a lot of people prioritize there's, there's, there's warrior tanks. Um, uh, Rainers, Li Ming, Calathus, Lili, Brightwing, Jaina, Titches, and Anna, White Mane, Johanna. Yeah. So the, the, the uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, a contingent of um, heroes that are, you know, that are that seem to have a lot more value here because of the uh, the, the the construction of the map and and the points yeah. of contention and stuff. And glows are important on this map as well. If you can have like Doc in the top lane and you know he comes and zips down to the bottom lane, you know that's kind of important. The two major strategies I've heard about this map is the bottom lane is very important because of the sappers, right? Yes. You know. If you can get take the, down the tower, get the sappers and, early and often. Yeah, get the sappers, get the tower down, get the sappers going into the uh, enemy fort. That's kind of that's one of the major things you want to contend here. The other thing about it uh, is is when it comes to the first uh, the first set of altars, it's very important to be there on time. And what you want to have is maybe two people at your altar at the top, and then the rest go to contest the bottom one. And hopefully that's enough to. Uh, that's enough to, um, uh, you know, get you know to get at least two of the towers. Yep. Another strategy is to just invade the other enemy's uh, out, uh, altar, and then get cap that, and then cap yours. You know, so do do a four one strategy maybe. You know, um, or you're you, but the person has to be on that altar right away. Anytime there's three altars up, you want to kind of decide: are you going to send someone bot? You know, or are you going to? Uh, contest the enemy's um, uh, turn in yep. and try to have a team fight there. So that, that's kind of an important aspect. And then um, get ahead when, you know, and try to do everything you do to get ahead. If you get a hero, if you get more than one hero takedown, immediately go for the, if it's available. And the last tip that I heard a lot of people, you know, in which it's common sense is at what, the 12 minute mark, right? This, there's a teleport from the, uh, from the spawn point to the center. Make sure to take that. Don't walk all the way back to <laughs> to the, the people tend to do that a lot. So. I think people forget about it. It's there because it's not really like clearly. It's like it's labeled, but it's not that labeled, right? Like you, like I know it's there when it like it spawns, but sometimes I'll forget about it after like the activation of it. So right now, the heroes with the highest win rate on this map are Malganus, Kerrigan, Taronda, Jaina, and Phoenix. You know, they're all. All, everything there I just mentioned is fifty percent. In fact, there's quite a lot of heroes that are up at the fifty percent mark. You know, Nova's kind of the last one, Diablo. So probably Diablo is in a fifty, just around fifty percent because of the number of times he's picked. So yeah, absolutely. So once again, it's one of my fa it's one of my favorite maps. Like you said, it's one of the maps that you can be down. I've been down like to the last three and, and managed to turn it around. Oh and yeah, come back me and my brother have been played one where we were like at one point. On our core and kick, turn like a reverse sweep, like we we just we're 
dug deep and just, you know, yeah, made it work somehow. You know, <laughs> and, so, and some of the best HTC matches this year were definitely on Towers of Doom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, D- Team Dignitas. If you want to go see a masterclass on how to play it, go watch that one. That was leftovers, right? Dig yeah. and leftover back yep. in mid-season brawl. Yep. So, well, I think it's all we got on the show tonight. Yep. <laughs> so, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Uh, so Did anyway. <laughs> So uh, we'll probably catch you next week. We'll probably uh, try to figure out a time to record, and that's pretty much it. Yep. Hopefully, we'll have some. Uh, maybe the, you know there might be a balance, you know, like a balance patch by next Wednesday. I don't know. I think they sometimes wait two weeks for the balance patch, right? They yeah. don't just do it over the week after. It'll it'll be next week probably. Well, you think it's going to be next week? All right, we'll see. Yeah. Well, maybe I don't know. It's usually there's like a it's it's usually hero release balance patch hero release balance patch so maybe there is a week wait in between well there is definitely yeah but there's definitely gonna be a balance patch so I'm just not sure if it's gonna be like two weeks yeah I don't like know. a week of, yeah I think a lot of people are waiting for McGannis to get a little bit more <laughs> nerfs yeah. yeah I could see that but yeah cool. that's it all right everyone well this is LDAP and I'm signing off you know you can find me on at LDAP TV on uh, Twitter or you can just catch me on the Reddit's you know yep. And you know me, Eric Wenzel, on the Twitters. And check out Feeding Curiosity, the other podcast that I do. That's it. Have a good night, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>